This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey there, it's Robbie here coming up on today's episode of the Offscript podcast. We've got a list of the most mispronounced words in 2021. You won't believe some of these words that a lot of people have struggled with over the course of the last 12 months. On Living on a Prior, which is our feature where we tackle some of the classic albums from yesteryear, Roger comes in studio to take a look at a hard rock classic from 1980. It's ACDC's Back in Black. Enjoy the episode. The Off Script Podcast. Uh, right, I want to tell you about the most mispronounced words of 2021. Right. Um, now... I want Chris to have a stab at some Ooh, of these, actually. <laughs> Stitching me right up. Right. This is uh, a survey that was taken um, over by the US captioning company. Um, where, <laughs> where have you found this? <laughs> no, this, is, this has been picked up universally, oh, actually. Oh, yeah, brilliant. This Land has Bible. been run on – no, not, not Landbubble, incidentally. And numerous international sites. Um, anyway, Chugi is apparently one of the words that, uh, and again, not really a word that I'm familiar with, but I did look it up. Chugi is a trendy term. Were you aware of this word? Yeah, so? yeah. Popularised by Gen Z, used to mock an outdated and unfashionable aesthetic typically associated with millennials, such as the live, laugh, love signs. Um, as we established yesterday when discussing the, the Tinder trends, Gen Z have revealed themselves to be among the most boring generations who've ever existed. <laughs> Gen Z so, is just constantly having a crack at everybody else. And exactly. we've established this. You know, yeah, nobody really cares. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just need to relax, don't they? Yeah. I thought, frankly, I thought Chugi was taking it to the next level. So the live, laugh, love signs, that would be basic. Oh. If you had this, you'd be basic. But I thought Chugi was kind of... Um, Common fashion trends, for example, overly manicured, the, the Gucci belt, you know, with the oh, two Gs. Yes, you that's, know who you are. That's considered chuggy, I think. Oh. Mm. So the US captioning company has released, released, <laughs> released a list. I should say, I'm mispronouncing words now. It's obviously infectious. Uh, actually, earlier today, identifying the words that prove most challenging for news readers and people on TV in general to pronounce. We've got a tennis player in there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can figure out. We've got a city in there. And we've even got a pop star in there. So, Chris, I'm going to throw a few of these at you. Oh, I'm going to spell them out because, obviously, uh, I-, I think you'll get them fine. Uh, but if I was to spell you the word C H I P O T L E, Chipotle. Chipotle. I think. Chipotle is the technical American. Um, what, what would people say that though? Chipotle. Ch- Chipotle, probably. <laughs> Chipotle. Chipotle. Yeah, I'm, Chipotle. I'm bad, well but done. I'm not that good. Okay, what about D O G E C O I N? Dogecoin. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Popularized by. He learned that today in his crypto Elon meeting. Musk. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. Um, what about E-T-H-E-R-E-U-M? Ethereum? Correct. Chris on a roll. Yeah. It's yeah. unstoppable. Now, the one that really shocked me in this list was, of course, the host city for COP26. Oh, now we're talking. It was Glasgow. Glasgow. How on earth can anyone mispronounce well, that? Well, not only anyone, but actually a couple of former, well, current and former president. I want you to rate Joe Biden's Five. attempts oh, to pronounce Lord. Glasgow. Now, I found it here. I think this sounds like Glasgow, but um, see what you make of it. Glasgow must start, uh, be the start, as I, you're tired of hearing me say it, but <laughs> a decisive decade of action. I'm offended. <laughs> well, that's Glasgow. Should we just one more, one yeah. more time? Glasgow must start. Uh, yeah, that's Glasgow. 
Glasgow. So he's got it wrong. Now, he's not even the only one. No. Because the, uh, it's been a bad week for Barack Obama <laughs> with his gifts uh, and his DVDs. And now he's mispronouncing a, a, a city in Chris's homeland. Take a listen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello, Glasgow. What has he done? Glass cow. He's called it Glass Cow. Just <laughs> <laughs> one, one more. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello, Glasgow. No, there's, there is a... Yeah, what's he doing? Just when he was like the coolest man ever, he's not helped himself this past week on this show. He's not the first or the last president to mispronounce a city or country name, however. Shifting production to Thailand <laughs> and to Vietnam. Thailand is where it's at. That's where we'll be shifting production. The Off Script Podcast. Tom's been in touch to say that Scots can't pronounce Glasgow either. They call it Glasgow. Glasgow. Yeah, they they actually do pronounce it (laughs) Glasgow. So maybe it's just an issue for everyone. We have been talking about the most mispronounced words names of 2021. I want to go to American football now. Because the Philadelphia, we don't often do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. The Philadelphia Eagles centre, Jason who, Chris? Kelsey. Kelsey. He revealed on radio this year that his teammates and the media had been mispronouncing his name for years. And there's a bit of a backstory to this one. Take a listen. Is it possible we've been saying Jason Kelsey's name wrong this whole time? Jason's brother Travis went on a podcast and said the actual pronunciation was Kels, which shocked some of his Chiefs teammates. So Jason went on 94 WIP to set the record straight. My dad, at some point, when he was working in the steel mills in Cleveland, Ohio, got tired of correcting everyone who was, his, everybody was calling him Kelsey. My dad, out of pure laziness, um, <laughs> completely, completely changed his last name. We would honestly, we'll go by either one. Out of pure laziness. Kels, Kels, I think we stick with Kelsey. Wow. I can't get, I can't, I can't personally look at that name and wrap my head around saying Kels. Mm. K-E-L-C-E, it's Kelsey. It is Kelsey. That's how I pronounce it. Travis Kelsey's one of the I don't care what he thinks it is. It's Kelsey. It's Kelsey. (laughs) Well, he's acknowledging he's happy for it to be Kelsey. Yeah. If he doesn't have to correct I enjoyed the fact that it came, it was born out of laziness. Um, Omicron uh, has been a mispronounced word, although I don't, is that that really a difficult one? Omicron, no. Not that bad, is it? Shein, the Chinese fast fashion company. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, that's caused that quite a few. Yeah, I didn't know. And Stefanos Tsitsipas has really befuddled quite a lot of news anchors around the world. Currently, the world number four. He obviously reached the French Open final this year, mm. so he it was probably the best year that he's had professionally. And um, it's it's not just him though, Chris. You've got to listen oh. to this. I managed to find this one. This is Denis who, Chris? Denis Shapovalov. Denis Shapovalov. This is how he was introduced at this year's Australian Open. This is great. Right now on Pat Rafter Arena, men's singles action. Please welcome from Canada, Dennis Shapovalov. <laughs> oh, please stop. By the way, you can listen to his voice. I'm going to play that one more time. Listen to the trepidation in his voice as he knows he's approaching this word and knows full well that he doesn't know how to pronounce <laughs> it. Right now on Pat Rafter Arena. Men's singles action. Please welcome from Canada, Dennis Shapovalov. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, we've all been there. The other one yeah. that kind of flummoxes many is Khabib Nurmagomedov. Mm. That's one that we seem to have kind of wrapped our heads around 
pretty well. We're, we're getting pops on the text. Yeah, things, which and, I like. this is a conversation conversation that I had with Sonal. Pretty much when back off script launched yeah. about three years ago, the pronunciation of Sonal would would come in on the news and say Abu Dhabi. Okay. Listen, I don't know that I'm doing it correctly because I'm obviously not an Arabic language speaker, but I used to work in Abu Dhabi, Mm -hmm. and that is my best imitation of what I would hear with the Emirati colleagues that I had. Indeed. Mm. And then Dubai, is it not Dubai? The. the. Dubai. Yeah, Yeah. that's how I think an Arabic-speaking person would pronounce it, I believe. I could be wrong on that front. So we just have to hold our hands up and apologize for our daily ignorance with that because when you get a Scotsman and you see Abu Dhabi, you immediately say Abu Dhabi. So yeah. I apologise for that. Will you switch? Abu Dhabi. No, because it sounds weird it's me saying it. It does, doesn't it? You just it? have to get used to it. Abu Dhabi. <laughs> I won't. Well, he's just going to call it the nation's capital. Yeah. Hey, that's the thing you do. Keep it easy. Keep it easy. Deflect. We're heading to the nation's capital <laughs> for the finale of the F1 season this coming Sunday. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do, Rob. The nation's capital. Living on a prior. Paying homage to the greatest albums of all time. Speaking of which, 1980s yeah, where we're heading. <laughs> Before we were all born. Well, many of us. Sorry, Rob. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, 81, thank you very much. None of us were alive. I'll have you know. But we're going back to 1980 and we're going to Australia with Scottish roots as well. A band called ACDC. They'd been around for, uh, for seven years, since 1973. And they were about to release their seventh album. It's called Back in black and it was it just a monumental rock album for them and for rock music um they'd kind of formed in 73 they had a scottish lead singer who'd moved to australia a family of brothers who were all involved with the group and um they played the they were called flat roof clubs rsl clubs i think they were called we'd known them as working men clubs they'd gone from that scene they'd worked really hard they'd got national success and then international success came with their fourth album let there be rock and since then, they've been a phenomenon. They're mm. still a phenomenon. They're all old enough to have bus passes. In fact, <laughs> many of them sadly aren't with us anymore. Oh. Um, they're still packing out stadiums. And um, I've seen them. I saw them when they were in their mid-60s and they were still prancing around stage like they were in the 20s. They're absolutely brilliant live act to see. When they started, they had two front men. Their singer, Bon Scott, who had this just unique voice. And I've, I've read today that the word impish was invented for him. Impish. And uh, Angus Young, who's the lead guitarist, one of the brothers in the group, um, he's known for his... Um, he wears a school uniform, uh, like a velvet, crushed velvet school uniform, short shorts, playing his um, SG Gibson guitar. And by the end of his gigs, it's just the shorts he's wearing and, and the school cap. <laughs> it's mad. It's absolutely it's like me and, on a Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, He's been called uh, in Pitchfork. They called him uh, the mascot, musical director, a, p- a perpetual motion machine, decked out in a schoolboy uniform, but ultimately less threatening than a teenager. Um, by 1979, they were poised for great success. Their sixth album, uh, Highway to Hell, sold 500,000 copies in the US, which was great for an Aussie band. And then they began to work on their seventh album, and then tragedy hit we'll talk about that tragedy Back in Black would become their first album that they recorded without Bon Scott the lead singer Uh, and for many bands the sudden and horrific death of a lead singer at the peak of their popularity would be career ending or at least you know you'd have an extended hiatus something like that but not ACDC they've got an incredible work ethic they took a few weeks off regrouped got a new lead singer and then recorded one of the biggest albums of all time in six weeks here's how it sounded
Tyson Fury walks out to that <laughs> against Deontay Wilder. You shook me all night long. Yeah, I just think it's singing along Man. to it. The Iron Man. Yeah, yeah used, film. used in the Marvel films. Com- films. Yeah, with with Iron Man. I've got a theory about ACDC. Is that you can't not like an ACDC <laughs> song because if you don't like one ACDC song, you don't like yeah. any of their songs. So you either don't like ACDC or you just <laughs> like them. That's my theory. Right. Okay. Um, they've got this well-defined. Like railroad track that they stick on. They've got fuzzy guitar pedals, loads of distortion, massive amps, straightforward rhythm section, the sandpaper vocals that you heard. They had that with Bon Scott, and then it's um it's a guy by the name of Brian Johnson singing on this album. And they've got these like naughty lyrics that are a little bit tongue-in-cheek, they're a little bit double entendre, or well, just full-on entendre, <laughs> and riffs, 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 like uh, Angus yeah, Young's riffs are riffs. so good. They've stayed in that lane. They've never done acoustic versions of their songs. They've never done ballads. There's no experiments except maybe the, the uh, church bell at the beginning. They, they had bagpipes in one of their songs as well. But they never really move out of their comfort zone. They've stuck in the lane. The world is crumbling around them. They've lost their lead singer, and they still stick in their lane, and it's hey, worked for them for 40 years. Rog, the world has got enough ballads knocking around. Hasn't we don't though? need any more. We don't. I'm glad we just they want didn't. riffs. I'm glad they didn't. The Off Script Podcast. Living on a Prior. We're delving into the Back in Black album by ACDC, released in 1980. We just heard a little montage of it. We have got the title track coming up for you in just a few moments' time. But, Rog, where are we going with this? 19th of February, 1980. Yeah, it was a dark day. Um, They lost Bon Scott on that day. Uh, He was found in the back of his own car in London. Coroners classified it as death by misadventure, so you can sort of read into that what you will. Um, But after Bon Scott's funeral, literally the day after, the band immediately began auditioning for a replacement for Bon Scott. They tried a few Aussie frontmen. Jimmy Barnes was also as, as Australian of Scottish heritage, or no, he was a Scotchman that had moved to Australia. John Swan was another frontman with American uh, with Australia, Australian groups, sorry, uh, but nothing clicked, and it wasn't quite what they were looking for. Then their long-term collaborator and producer Robert John, known to his friends as Mutt. Lunch <laughs> um, recommended uh, that the group bring in a glam rock frontman from a band called Geordie, uh, Geordie from Newcastle. Uh, his name was Brian Johnson. Here he is singing with Geordie. It's weird because that is a Newcastle band, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds that they've deliberately made it, uh, they've Americanized it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And they were very glam rock. That was the, the sort of one of the hardest that songs. Sounded that sounded like they did. Kiss, actually. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They were very Kiss. They were very Kiss. But they were just dressed as, you know, Andy Cap from the Viz comics. You know, Brian Johnson still wears the flat cap right, to this day. Right, yeah. right. Um, so, and, and at the time, they were kind of, they had sort of given up the dream. He, Johnson was 32. He was back living with his parents. And they they were gigging on the local band scene, but they weren't doing any big performances, ready to jack it in. Um, and he'd even opened his dream, which was to run a classic car repair shop. <laughs> the um, lead singer of ACDC was living with his folks at yeah, 32. Yeah. That, yeah I can't wrap my head around. Absolutely mad. Um, but he got the call. He got the call from um, ACDC's people and he was asked to go down to London. Here he is recalling that audition. Just after that call, 30 minutes later, I got a call from a guy would you sing on a Hoover advert? And I said, <laughs> how much? And he said, 350 quid. He said, with residuals. And I said, I'll come down. And, it, and, and I went down and I phoned up the boys. I said, I'll come down and do it on the same day. So I went in and did this 
the new high-powered hoop mover from Hoover. It's a beautiful <laughs> mover. It's 350 pounds. I remember coming out the studio and just saying, gosh, it's getting late. I have to get back to Newcastle, which is a you know, five, six-hour drive in there. Yeah. Or do I walk across that street? And there was four guys sitting on chairs with the big marshal lamps behind them, right. looking quite miserable because <laughs> they've been waiting for us, you know. And, yeah. and I came and I said, I, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, uh, well, do you know, Nutbush City Limits. And they said, what? And I said, I like that song. <laughs> Nutbush City Limits? Yeah. And then I started rocking it. I started singing. I got goosebumps. Their you, eyes started going wide and everybody sudden, suddenly started thinking, whoa, what's, what's maybe happening here? we got here? something here. What's happening here? Rog, you need to get Brian Johnson on our show. He's an incredible character. He's brilliant. Um, very, very Geordie still to this day. And um, But I always think, though, can you imagine, if the guy walked in with, with that gravelly voice, because his voice has never changed over the years, and said, oh, I want to be a singer, lads. Are you ready? I'm here for me audition. You just like, no, no, you've come to the wrong. <laughs> You're in the yeah. wrong room, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then he comes up with this high pitched yeah, rock this squealing wail. Yeah, and they did Nutbush City Limits by Tina Turner, which is a, a quite a difficult song to sing. So then they absolutely rocked it by the sounds of it. The next afternoon, Brian got the call. For to return, and that was that. What a career change at 32 years old. You're running a classic car repair shop. All of a sudden, you're in ACDC, the biggest band in the world. That's amazing. Um, You can see why they wanted to stay in the lane, though, because if if you compare the two, here's a comparison between how Bon Scott sounded singing some ACDC songs and how Brian Johnson sounds when he sings some of them. They've stayed in the lane. They They've have. stayed in that lane. Yeah, they absolutely have. They were never going to get Michael Bublé on board, no. were they? <laughs> Would have been a different story. So um, they were ready to... What, they, they, they'd picked their man, they were ready to start recording this new album, and um, there were no studios available in the UK to record, so the story goes. So they flew to the Bahamas for a I little tax break to Compass Point Studios uh, in, in Nassau, and they began working on it. It took them six weeks. Upon their arrival, the area was hit by uh, really bad tropical storms, which wreaked havoc on the studio's electricity and evil influenced the lyrics in Hell's Bells, the first uh, song on the album. It starts off, I'm rolling thunder, pouring rain, I'm coming out like a hurricane, uh, my lightning's flashing across the sky, you're only young but you're going to die. Um, so very typical rock lyrics there. And the bell at the start of that song as well, which we heard at the beginning of that montage, was an actual 10-ton bell that they had made at a foundry, a metal foundry. They tried to record some church bells but it got interfered with by birds like getting scared and flying away so it wasn't the sound that they wanted so they got their manager Ian Jeffrey to commission a 10 ton uh, like dropped iron bell and they toured with that for another 10 years the same the same instrument Um, the first new song the lineup did together would be uh, their biggest of of, like their entire career You Shook Me All Night Long it was a top 40 hit in the UK something that had eluded ACDC when they were with Bon 
Scott. Their best Scott. Probably their best song, I think. I think so. Yeah, I agree. And as you'll hear, Brian Johnson also agrees. It's a three-minute metaphor. You don't have to be too scholarly <laughs> to know what it's all about. But it mentions cars and eating and having a boxing match, all three in three and a half minutes. Here's a very confident Brian Johnson talking about his feelings as he wrote that song. It was the, probably the most magical time of my life. I knew something was happening, but it was happening so quick I couldn't grasp it. I just know one thing. The first song I had to write was uh, Shook Me All Night Long. This is where my passion with cars comes in. The first line I wrote was, She was a fast machine. She kept the motor clean. She was the best damn woman. And I went, I'm writing about cars again. <laughs> right. And I give it to Mala next morning. He's going, Hey, are you writing about cars? I went, No, I said, I, I'm trying to with the women in the car. And he said, Ah, no worries, mate. It sounds great. And I said quite cockily the next day after I'd heard it, the first rough mix. And I was sitting, because you know, we just had a little cassette player in this little house we had. And, yeah. and then the next morning, Mal put it on again. He said, I ain't going to ever listen to this again, mate. And, uh, and I sat and I just went, do you know, I think that's about the best rock and roll song I think I've ever heard in my life. And I went, <laughs> but, and Mal said, you could be right, mate. <laughs> It's up there. Yeah, it's, it it's in my top is. ten, probably. Yeah, I uh, think it's brilliant. I'm with you. I'm with you on that, and um, he certainly agrees with him with himself on that one. Uh, <laughs> you've also you've also got back back in black, the title track. The album cover is black, and it's got sort of embossed write, black writing on it. It's it's obviously black in homage to Bon Scott, out of respect to him. There's some great lyrics in the, in that song as well. We're going to play it now. It sums up ACDC, their playful side because they've never right. Uh, I don't think they'd be offended by this statement. They've never been serious musicians or lyricists, but they're a serious band. They're serious about being in a band and being rock and rollers, serious about what they do and how they did it with Bon Scott and how they do it now with Brian Johnson. Uh, and, of course, it opens with one of the most iconic riffs oh. in music ever. Here we go, then.
the Off Script Podcast. Got a special treat for all the ACD fans, ACDC fans, and there seems to be plenty out there on there the are. text lines, including Chrissy Bridal. Yeah, Chrissy Bridal, big fan of ours, a big mate of ours as well. He's listening, he's loving it, and he does tell me that Brian Johnson had a wonderful uh, show on Emirates Airlines about cars. So if you're into that. Yeah, because he's a really mad, passionate um, sports car fan as well. Uh, I think he used to race them, he used to race classic sports cars. Um, another person who's absolutely loving it is CK says now you're talking I'd put ACDC up against any artist of today of course referencing what we were talking about earlier they were the first band I ever saw live in 1985 and the last band I saw live in 2015 still awesome and Robin says vividly remember seeing them at the Back in Black tour at the Birmingham Odeon free plug there you <laughs> go. Free plug to the Birmingham Odeon. So before we get into uh, my favourite, I think, the, the song that Tyson Fury recently walked out to ahead of his bout with Deontay Wilder, it's an absolute cracker. We've been talking, listening to, uh, I guess, Brian's recollections of it. So where, where are we going from? Just to wrap up, Rog. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention a little footnote to the recording sessions. I mentioned that they were over in the West Indies recording on the Bahamas when these big storms were coming in. The storms featured in the lyrics. The surroundings definitely influenced the recordings. Um, apparently it was a bit like a, a prison there in the living quarters and the matron was a terrifying woman. The band talks about this lady who was about seven feet tall. They used to tell the band stories of bandits and pirates that would come into the quarters after dark and rob groups of all their equipment. So she gave them a six foot spear to protect each other <laughs> I just think that's brilliant sounds like an ACDC song character yeah, that to me it does um, when it was released it went straight to number one and the British albums chart reached number four in the American charts which Rolling Stone called an exceptional showing for a heavy metal album uh, which you have to agree with it topped the British chart for two weeks it was in the top ten in, in America for five months and it, uh, back home it reached number two uh, in the Australian charts to date, it's the sixth best-selling album in the US ever. It's sold 50 million copies around the world. Uh, leading enemy journalist Mark Beaumont said, um, to call it the biggest-selling rock album ever made is not doing it justice. It's the best-selling heavy metal album in history. Wow. And he would know. Okay, then. Here we go. ACDC, just to round things up for Living on a Prior.
the Offscript podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to dubaieye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.